0: we can't be contained. Because this spring at Nine West, we are infinite. Buy now and get 15% off with code PODCAST24.
1: How often do you eat pizza? Uh,
2: Every day. You do? Yes, every day. I'll
3: be right with you, one second. It comes to 5403.
1: You okay with that? You want a receipt? Okay. There's a pizza place at the corner of East 15th Street and Avenue J in Brooklyn. It's been here since 1965. Anthony Bourdain called it the best of the best. Will you show me around a little sure. bit? Okay. I'm good. Sure. So is this the dough getting ready? Yes, we're prepping the dough. It's a
3: very old machine, but it's antique. Can't get rid of that.
1: So you make the dough every day?
3: Every, a couple of times a day. We go through it quick. And then what's behind you here? This is the pizza sauce that also we make every day several batches of it, and it's pretty awesome. A lot of people have been here. Leonardo DiCaprio, um, Ed Sheeran. The old mayor used to come all the time, to Blasio. He was here often. Him and his daughter would come. Just incredible how people flock from all over the place. When they come to New York, this is where they come.
1: They come to eat what's been called the holy grail of New York-style pizza, made by the man who's been called the godfather of pizza. His name was Domenico DiMarco, and he was here making pizza Seven days a week for almost 60 years. He once said, You've got to do it with your heart. If you don't like it, don't do it. That's it. That's how I look at things. I'm Phoebe Judge, and this is Love. Domenico Di Marco was born near Naples, in Italy. He moved to Brooklyn when he was 23 years old and started making pizzas at a place called Little Venice. Little Venice was right next door to an office building, where 17-year-old Margaret Dugan was working at Western Union. She was being trained to send and read telegrams. Hello? Hi, is this Margaret? Yes, it is. Hi, Margaret. I'm Phoebe. Thank you very much for talking. Okay. Every day that she worked at Western Union, she'd have lunch at Little Venice, eating pizza made by Domenico.
4: He was always singing. This I'll always remember. You know, I was just new and, you know, knowing him. But he always would be singing songs while he made the pizza, and he had a beautiful voice.
1: She'd go in alone on her break and sit by herself. They started talking— he said he noticed her because she was quiet.
4: I wasn't one of those crazy American girls, <laughs> making a lot of noise and stuff. So, uh, you know, then he asked me out, and we went out. Our first date was Thanksgiving. We went to a movie.
1: And then he asked her out again.
4: So then we started going to, like, go to the Italian movie with him on Canal Street. I didn't understand any of the movie, but I would go because I was with him. And um, he used to like Claudio Villa, that was an Italian actor and singer. And then we started, you know, the first time we went out, then we would go bowling. We would go bowling, and then we would go to Coney Island to Nathan's. And he, uh, he always had a glass of wine. And, uh, you know, and I'd have the chicken parmesan or something like that, you know, but it was good. And even was nice when I went to the Italian movie every week with him when I didn't even understand Italian. But just being with him was nice. And then I got to fall in love with the singer, too, Claudio Villa, so, whatever his name was. But no, we always got along and had fun. You know, sometimes after a date and we date, we walk on Ocean Parkway. Right? and sit on a bench and, you know, kiss a little, you know. And that's when he told me he loved me. What did you like about him? What did I like about him? He was kind, he was sweet, he was respectful. You know, he was really a great guy. You know, we didn't fight much.
1: What was your wedding like, Jim?
4: Well, I had a church wedding and all that, but we had a, a party in the house because none of his people were gonna come. They weren't here. Most of them were in Italy. You know, we had a beautiful, a nuptial wedding in the church, and they sang Ave Maria and all that, and it was beautiful. And, uh, you know, it was very nice. He was happy. I didn't want him to feel bad that none of his people could come. The one thing funny I could tell you, I don't know if I should, we drove to the Sheridan Hotel, right? I don't know if you know the streets in New York, they're very narrow. So he was so anxious to get to the hotel that he left the car on all night. (laughs) So when we were up in the hotel and the next morning when we came down to get in the car, it wouldn't work. (laughs) The battery was dead. (laughs) But on my part, that's a nice memory that he was so anxious, I said, you know.
1: The same month they got married, Domenico DiMarco found a storefront for rent on the corner of East 15th Street and Avenue J in Brooklyn and opened a place of his own. He called it Defora. What do you remember him telling you about pizza? Pizza?
4: Oh, you know, he just loved making it, and he he was very proud when people talked about it, how good it was. And he he didn't want to be famous. He just wanted everybody to love his pizza and they did.
3: Thank you so much. Have yourself a great day. Well, the first time I came here as a customer, many years ago, um, it was an epic experience for me because it was so many people and they all looked forward to watching the original master appeared to make his pies, so it was, it was pretty epic. What was he like? He was, he was great. He had a heart of gold. Really good man.
1: This is Kathy Menapace. She does everything here. She's known the family for 31 years would this be kind of where he would stand and he'd do all of his work right here yeah he used to take
3: the pizzas out of the 700 degree oven with his bare hands he would cut it he would put the basil and the grated cheese on it all by himself because he wanted it done his way and his way was the best way
1: what do you think made his way so good there are the thousands of places to get a piece of pizza in, in New York. What what did he do? What did he bring to it? Well, he imported everything
3: from Italy. All the ingredients came from Italy. Um, he, he made sure it was high quality, everything the best. It had to be done a certain way. The sauce had to be seasoned just right. The dough had to have the right amount of ingredients. And he just was a perfectionist, and it was always perfect.
1: So here are the ovens.
3: Yes. Oh, and they're hot. They, yeah, we they have, oh. to, we have to turn them on to be ready for opening. We, they need to be turned on by at least 30, 9, 9.30, the latest every day.
2: There aren't ovens built like this anymore. So, uh, yeah, the, the heat also on the oven is about 700, 750. A lot of people have their oven at 650.
1: Robert Lee works at Tafara.
2: I was a little special. We have it at 700, 750, the way the boss wanted it.
1: So you make everything up here, all of the pizzas are coming through here and going through these ovens? Yes. Wow. And how long have these ovens been operating? Have these always? Yeah, they're here since
3: 1965, same original ovens.
1: And was that the original cash register behind you? Yes.
3: This is a classic. Uh, we keep it here. We don't use it anymore, but it stays because it's part of the store.
1: Everything in DeFara is just the way Dominica wanted it. He said, I do this as an art. I don't look to make big money. If somebody comes over here and offers me a price for the store, there's no price. There's no money in the world they could pay me for it. Part of the thing about when you go to a pizza place is it's quick. You know, you come and you get a piece of pizza and then you leave and it's cheap and it's easy. But here, it wasn't that fast. It was was a a much slower process. It was slower
3: because it was done to perfection. He had hands of magic. And the people would wait. It didn't matter how long they would wait, but they would wait.
2: Oh, he was a guy who always wanted to do Things his way, Dominic DeMarco Sr. He did things his way. There were times when I would take out the pizza because it's so busy. Take out the pizza a little bit early. He would tell me, "Throw it back in." There's no shortcuts in life. No shortcuts doing pizza. You gotta do it the right way, and uh, that's the way how he did it. Anyway, you try to change it, you can never change his mind. It was his way, or don't do it at all. What
1: was it like to see him work the dough?
2: Well, to work the door, I know he loved working the door with his hands. That's what he loved doing. And you could see that he did not want to stop. He just wanted to keep on going. I mean, from opening to closing, he would just work the pizza and do nothing else but work the pizza. He wouldn't let nobody touch his pizza. Do
1: you think he was happy as standing right back there?
2: Oh, yeah, he was always happy standing there. He, this guy is like a machine. He used to work seven days a week for many years. And uh, he was a very hardworking guy.
1: Domenico would start his days at 8 a.m. and make pizzas until they closed at 10 p.m. And then, once they closed, he would eat one piece. He said, I have one piece of pizza to see if it comes out all right. I sit down with my bottle of wine and I eat. When I eat, I like to sit down. And then he'd go home to his wife, Margaret. When he would come home after a long day of work, would he ever bring you a piece of pizza?
4: Uh, not really, because I didn't ask him for any, you know, <laughs> but he used to, you, know, you know, we would sit, we would sit and watch the late
1: show. You
4: know, the late show used to be on at 11 and 12 o'clock at night, and that made him happy.
1: They had seven children. All seven of them were put to work alongside their father at Tafara. Here's their middle child, Maggie. What do you remember about him behind that counter making the pizzas?
4: Oh, my gosh. Just as the, his his patience, his passion for, for every single pizza that he put his hands on. He didn't pay attention to the surroundings. Like, he just focused on every single pizza. He would not allow himself to be distracted if somebody, you know, even with the crowds and the long lines as, you know, over the years, when the wine started to grow because of, the, the, you know, the popularity. And he just always, he never changed. And he never, ever tried to be, like, the best pizza maker. As a matter of fact, um, the, those pizza boxes that always say, you've tried all the rest, now try the best. I was never allowed to purchase those pizza boxes because my father's mindset was, let them tell you you're the best at something.
1: We'll be right back. Support for This Is Love comes from Indeed. Hiring someone new can sometimes feel like finding a missing puzzle piece. The right person can complete a team, but the search can take a long time. And sometimes it feels entirely up to chance. Indeed is designed to help you find that perfect match much easier and much faster. Indeed's matching engine learns from your preferences for job candidates and becomes more accurate over time. That means the more you use it, the better it gets. You also don't need to worry about the busy work of hiring. Indeed will help you with scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Listeners to this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash thisislove. Just go to indeed.com slash this is love right now. And support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash this is love. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire, you need Indeed. Support for this show
0: comes from Nine West. Because this spring at Nine West, we are infinite. Buy now and get 15% off with code PODCAST24.
5: It's a simple thing. It's like flour and water and yeast and then the tomatoes and the cheese.
1: Pete Wells, restaurant critic for The New York Times.
5: And then, you know, maybe toppings. I'm not really a toppings guy, but, you know, maybe, maybe some people like them, right? Simple, simple thing.
1: Many people believe that the first pizza place in the United States opened in 1905, Lombardi's, on Spring Street in New York. In a 1947 piece in the New York Times, a food writer wrote, the pizza could be as popular a snack as the hamburger if Americans only knew more about it.
5: If we go back to the the beginnings of pizza in New York, it's being made by... Italian immigrants from Naples are really close to Naples doing what they what they knew back home right and they're doing it in the baking ovens that existed at the time which were made of brick and usually fired by coal because that's what you know people used for heat at the time and that's a a very particular kind of pizza. The the coal burns really hot. Your pizza bakes pretty fast. And usually you want to eat it really quickly because it's great the minute it comes out of the oven. And then in a few minutes it gets a little less great. And, you know, half an hour later it's almost stale. And then the gas pizza oven comes along. So now anybody who has enough space can roll in a gas oven, get Con Ed to come and hook it up, and you can be in the pizza business, like, the next day. So this leads to this, you know, huge proliferation of pizzerias all over New York City. And then slowly, you know, it starts to become a little industrialized, I guess, where, you know, there are pizza supply companies that will bring you shredded cheese and bring you, you know, sauce so you don't have to take cans of tomatoes and run them through a food mill. And the product starts to get a little more uniform, um, and, you know, that becomes this iconic New York thing, this slice that, like, you can sit around on the counter for a while, and when you come in and want it, two seconds later, you're, you know, walking down the street with your pizza folded up like John Travolta.
1: When was the first time that you went to DeFara Pizza?
5: It would have been around 1999 or 2000, somewhere in there. There was a uh, very active, at the time, food message board called Chowhound. And uh, one of the things people did on Chowhound was talk about Jafara a lot. And finally, I kind of, you know, gave in and realized I, I, I should go check it out. So I um, went out there and really, like, didn't know what to what I'd walked into at first because it just was this tiny little, it still is, this tiny little place. And, you know, there were like specials written on paper plates taped to the wall that looked like they'd been there for years and, and you know, stacks of pizza boxes. And it just uh, the whole operation was not that promising looking.
1: What did you order? Do you remember what the experience was like when you walked in?
5: Yeah, I totally remember because there was this little paper plate that said artichoke pizza, baby artichoke pizza. And I was just like, "Well, that's it." I mean, like, I've never walked into a like a, a sort of neighborhood slice joint before that had a baby artichoke pizza. I've got to get it. So, I asked for the baby artichoke pizza, and I think that was my my first mistake because I, d- I didn't realize I could have gotten it by the slice. So what happened was, he, you know, Dominic DeMarco made. A whole pizza for me with like, and then like sautéed the baby artichokes and spread them over the pizza and baked it. And you know, it took like I—I I was not the first customer there, so by the time my pizza came up and then he made it and and it got to my table, I think it's probably there close to an hour. You know, I was just stunned that like somebody was thinking that hard and putting that much effort into what's. Was, usually this kind of anonymous product, right? Like you could walk into a slice joint anywhere in New York on Tuesday and have one guy make your pie and go on Wednesday, somebody else would be making the pie, but they'd be the same, right? They're, they're, you didn't really think of a pizza of that kind of having like an author. And this was like, this you know, pizza was coming from this one guy.
1: He was making it better than it had to be.
5: I mean, in his mind, it was probably the only way it could be, right?
1: <laughs> what do you remember about when it finally came out to you after an hour? What do you remember about it?
5: I think just that it was it was like handmade, you know, that it was like, it was put together, like, you know, by somebody who, who cared about it and thought about where the cheese would go and how much sauce there would be. He managed to get a little bit of... Char on his pizzas, even though he's using a gas oven, which I thought was impressive. And then, like you know, just the amount of like care that went into making those baby artichokes. Like you know, they like they didn't come out of a can. They like every one of them has to be. I mean, I hate making artichokes. Like I, I like eating them, and I hate making them. It is so much work for this like little tiny little nugget in, of deliciousness in the middle, right? And you and then you end up with like a huge heap of you know vegetable waste that goes into your trash and it drives me nuts but I like ha ah, to like <laughs> the idea that like he had done all of that just for this pizza now it did cost about 30 dollars I think so it was like you know he uh he knew he knew what it was worth but uh it it was still you know it's like so moving when somebody you know who could just hand you a slice with, you know, regular old slice, here's the oregano, you want to shake some red it? go ahead. You know, it goes to all that trouble. It was, like, just wild to me. He, he, for a lot of people, was was like the beacon that said, like, you can do this very quotidian thing that's taken for granted and you can do it better. He had this potted basil plant in the window, and it was a scraggly little thing in like maybe a four-inch pot. Uh, And you know, everybody—it was everybody who went there—swears that he, like, he would take the basil leaves off this little plant and put them on their pie. Well, you know, if he had done that twice, the plant would be dead. Like, there was no way all this basil was coming off that plant. But there was like something magical about that just the fact that he was keeping this little charlie brown christmas tree of a basil plant alive in the window it was so amazing that i think everybody wanted to believe that like it was like you know this like fountain of basil leaves that never stopped flowing
1: We'll be right back.
5: Fox Creative.
0: This is advertiser content from 26.2 Team Milk and their new docuseries, Running Sucks.
1: Is running the worst? Yeah. Do you love it? Do you hate it? I hate it so much. (laughs) I hate it so freaking much. (laughs) That you're a real runner now! (laughs) I did it. I'm Abby Ayers, a 37-year-old mom from Utah who found herself running across the Manhattan Bridge in my first race ever.
0: Running sucks celebrates women who run and the running communities that carry them across the finish line. Running helped
1: me in so many ways postpartum.
0: Watch Running Sucks at runningsuckstheseries.com and learn more about how Team Milk is helping women runners across the country conquer their next course.
1: This past March, 56 years after opening Defara, Domenico DiMarco died. He was 85. Pizza makers from other famous pizza places all over the country paid their respects. Pete Wells wrote, The last time I went to Defara was just before the pandemic. There seemed to be half a dozen people working a kind of assembly line behind the counter and I feared for a moment that Mr. DeMarco had been replaced by a team of cooks. But every one of them was involved in taking orders, handling cash, and making sure each slice ended up in the right hands. Hidden behind this assembly line was Mr. DeMarco, standing on his little square of floor, bowing over the dough, wheeling the pizzas into existence.
5: I think it's easy to forget um, how much restaurants are dependent on, like, the lives of the people who run them. Like, you kind of want to believe that it's just an institution, it's like it's like the, the opera will always be there, right? Uh, but um, they're not always there, these, you know, uh, food businesses are they, they, the really good ones. They only exist because there's somebody usually one person, sometimes a couple people, who really, really, really want it to be there and really want it to be the way that it is.
1: Today, Domenico DiMarco's children run to Fara. His daughter Maggie told us there hasn't been a day that's passed that someone hasn't offered their condolences and said how much they miss seeing her father. These days, Robert Lee makes the pizzas, just the way Domenico DiMarco taught him.
2: Well, you gotta soften up the dough, stretch out the dough, and uh, stretch it. And uh, pour the sauce on top of it with the cheese, the mozzarella, and some olive oil. And you throw it in the oven for about 10 minutes.
1: Robert grew up in this neighborhood and has lived here his entire life, 51 years. And he told us he's been eating Domenico Marco's pizza for at least 42 of them.
2: I know my mom used to uh, bring me here when I was like even younger, but I remember having the pizza when I was like nine. So the farthest I could remember is nine. My mom probably brought me here earlier than that to have the pizza here. And it was always the best.
1: Can I just look back here? I don't want to be in the way. Do you always set up your station the same way?
2: Yes, I do, every morning, it's a routine. Every morning, gotta do the same thing every morning.
1: So you have the, this cheese and the same, the sauce in the same?
2: Same spot every day.
1: And the cheese, it's so interesting because you're used to seeing cheese shredded, but this, isn't, this, this mozzarella isn't shredded. No,
3: it's ripped off and placed onto each pie.
2: We gotta do it the way how the old man wanted to do it, Dom Senior. Dominic DeMarco, the way how he wanted to do it, how he made the pizza. So we got to continue the tradition.
1: When you tell people that you work at DeFara, do people know what DeFara is around here?
2: Oh, yeah. Everybody, uh, people see me on the streets, uh, in the bars. They used to say, you know, you, we work in DeFara. I am like, yeah, you know, uh, it's not m- much Asian people who make pizza nowadays. I don't think I've ever seen an Asian guy make a pizza, except for me. But uh, that's all I can say. It's like, yeah. It's a great quality, and a lot of people do know about the Farrah's.
1: And, and still to this day, is this your favorite pizza in New York?
2: Oh, yeah. Still my favorite.
1: What's your favorite type of pizza? If you were, were going to make yourself a pizza, what would you have on it?
2: Just a plain pie. Plain pie, well, just, uh, just flat out the original way. The, the original way of making pizza. Nothing on it. Tastes better that way.
3: How would you like? just regular cheese pie. Your name? Larry. Okay. About 20
1: minutes, half an hour. Hi, how are you? Would you just tell me what you're doing now?
2: Right now, I'm uh, stretching the dough, ready to make the first pie, and uh, start off the day.
1: So, but you don't throw the dough in the air. Uh,
2: that's just a lot of BS because uh, a lot of people who can't make good pizza throw it up in the air to make it look good. You know, that's what the old man used to tell me.
1: So, there's a, but at, at any one point, there's only one person working the pizza in the oven.
3: Yeah, well, it was always Dominic doing the pizza, so it was his spot. This was his area. That's what he took care of, and he made it work for many
1: years. Do you miss his presence here? Absolutely.
3: Absolutely. They'll, there's nobody like him. Nobody like him.
1: So for, for a while you would stand here and you'd turn around and he'd be right there?
3: Yeah. Yeah. Or if I wasn't working, I'd come in to see him. I'd bring him his espresso, his double shot of espresso. But um, he's here. His heart is still here with us. And we make sure we keep pictures of him everywhere. So. Thank you so much. Have yourself a great day have squares
5: or regular slices. My condolences, by the way. Thank um, um,
3: I've got a few pies ahead
5: of you. Okay. And they're still fresh, right? Yeah, everything
3: just came out of the oven. Um, I have seven slices...
1: This month marks 57 years of DeFara, and also what would have been Domenico and Margaret's 57th wedding anniversary.
4: I would do it all over again. He's a wonderful man. It'll always be in my heart.
2: What are your
1: tips for a long, successful relationship?
4: Know them. Think of all the good things they do. Who they are. You know, accept them for who they are. Believe in them. Trust in them. And that—that's all I can say. And that's what we did. We, you know, we didn't get to go out that much of anything. And he was always working, but he was working. I can't complain because he's working. You know? And I miss him. So, yeah.
1: This Is Love is created by Lauren Spohr. And me, Nadia Wilson, is our senior producer. Katie Bishop is our supervising producer. Our producers are Susanna Robertson, Jackie Sajiko, Libby Foster, and Samantha Brown. Our technical director is Rob Byers. Engineering by Russ Henry. Learn more about the show on our website, thisislovepodcast.com. If you like the show, tell a friend or leave us a review. It means a lot. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at this is Love Show. Where we'll have pictures of our trip to DeFara. This is Love is recorded at North Carolina Public Radio, WUNC. We're part of the Vox Media Podcast Network. Discover more great shows at podcast.voxmedia.com. I'm Phoebe Judge, and this is Love.
4: Is that it? That's it. I can hang out now. You can hang out. Thanks so much. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye.